there. It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? Let's do a podcast right now. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket, the bass guitar podcast where we get the lowdown on the low end. My name's Johnny, a totally average bass player, and each week I'm normally joined by a different co-host to talk all about that bass. Now, you are so lucky, everyone at home listening, because, you know, we don't have to listen to anyone else. It's it's all just me. It's just me. Um, just me this week, because, um, you know, things are very, very busy at the minute. Uh, I'm kind of switching up the way uh, for, for followers of my YouTube channel, um, just Johnny Dibble on YouTube. That's, you know, it's probably where you're listening to this right now. Um, it's been a you know it's been a difficult couple of weeks now that the world is fully opened up again pretty much or at least here in England where I am uh it's you know it's been it's been madness so so busy all the time now and you know working a full-time job trying to do this YouTube stuff on the side and kind of pulling my hair out a little bit um trying to uh get it all together and doing weekly content that is the quality that that I want to produce um so we're kind of changing things up on the channel it's gonna be uh podcast every other week because I want to keep doing this I've been sad that I've been had a couple of weeks off you know I want to keep talking to people and engaging with you all uh, in this way and I thought well I don't want to just put the main videos down to every other week because that's going to hurt the channel even more um, because Al Gore's rhythms, uh, algorithms, you know. And so I thought, well, let's bring the podcast back up to speed again and do that every other week like we were, but on a Thursday instead. So let's see how this goes, shall we? Who knows? It might all change. Uh, let me know in a comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify or something like that. Uh, send me a little uh, DM, that's a direct message, on, on over on Instagram at Johnny Dibble. So let's just kick things straight off with our first question. Uh, I normally put these up on Instagram, these polls, so please uh, submit your cues uh, over on there. Go and follow me. So, the first question comes from Stephen, who asks, uh, what advice would you give to somebody buying their first bass? Now, on my YouTube channel, I mainly focus on affordable gear. I'm a big believer that you can get great tones out of cheap gear. You know, you don't need to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on a bass to sound good, especially not in what is now 2021, you know, in this modern day and age uh, where they are manufacturing costs of and the processes that go behind making instruments is just getting lower and lower uh, as um, time goes on and it's just getting better and better. Um, and so, yeah, you know, brands like Harley Benton are absolutely killing it uh, and making really great products at such affordable prices, you know, because retailers are cottoning on and making their own guitars, blah, 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 all of that stuff, you know, cutting out the middleman. Uh, and so 
there's a lot of bang for your buck you can get nowadays. Uh, and so for someone buying their first base, some I get this question all the time. And one thing I would say is don't go too complicated. Okay, I would recommend starting out on a five, a five, no, a 12 string base, I think you should start with um, a four string you know, I can only count to four, so that's all that I need. Um, and I don't go above the fourth fret because I don't know what they're called beyond there. I don't know what the number is beyond four. Um, so four string I'd start with to learn the basics, something that's comfortable, playable. Um, so maybe not going for the very, very cheapest like stag bass you get because sometimes when the playability is so bad, it can put you off. But at the same time, you know, for about... 100 to 200 pounds you can get really great beginner bases from like brands like sx uh and and squire with the new affinity range you know uh, i'd really like to try out that that 2021 range because it seems like they've upped their game to try and compete with brands like harley benton um anyway uh so yeah don't overcomplicate it something passive something simple i would get something that uh is traditional so maybe like a just a p bass copy jazz bass copy or pj configuration simple something that you like the look of um and because you gotta want to pick it up i always I've, I've probably said that line so many times <laughs> you gotta want to pick it up because that is one of the key motivators for me i love the look of guitars and you know even if i couldn't play i honestly think i would still collect them just because i love them i think you've got to like the look of it start there look at something that you think wow that's cool i want to play that and that will uh, be the starting thing that will keep inspiring you to keep going back because it's hard it's so hard to like get started especially if you're self-teaching um which you know I, I would recommend play what you enjoy play what you find is fun and just noodle honestly get a drum machine or something like that and or a a looper that you can have something going on and then just play along work it out um you can kind of develop your own technique as well or base your technique uh, pun not intended base your technique uh, on players that you enjoy you know and to really find your own sound um but play buying your first bass simple passive i think i've had people comment on videos of active basses being like oh would this make a good first bass for me and i'm like no, not really. I would literally just get something that is volume control and tone control. No active circuitry or complications with that. Often as well, with affordable basses, I always find that when, if you're getting active preamps, they're always way too hot or they're just not that usable. And so I think that's a, just another thing to put you off uh, and be a barrier to progression and that is what you want to avoid so I would just get something simple and where the money in the base where they've made it has gone into the other elements and not this preamp that's often a letdown oh so yeah if you're listening to this podcast to be honest that you know you're probably probably not a beginner so don't know if that's useful to anybody listening but you know it was asked and I thought it was some advice that it's worth giving. So why the flip not? Let's move on to our next segment. 
So every time on this podcast, we like to get the lowdown on the low end by looking at the latest news. And, you know, it's been a bit of time since I've done this, and there's been some cool bits of gear coming out. Um, one of the main ones is coming from Ashdown. Now, Ashdown is a British amp manufacturer. Uh, you would have seen, if you don't know them by name, you would have seen them on stage. They're the like blue fronted or silver fronted ones with the little like VU meter, so a glowing meter that moves up and down. A really vintage looking and it was actually my first ever live amp setup was an Ashdown ABM. I think it's the ABM 500 Evo 3 that it was at the time. Uh, the blue face one uh, that. uh yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, great sounding amps. It was uh, Valve, uh, and yeah, really really nice. And speaking of Valve, um, they have now got a new uh, head out called the Interstellar Six Hundred, uh, and it's Guy Pratt's signature amp head. So Guy Pratt is a session bassist working with the likes of like. Uh, David Gilmore, Pink Floyd, and he's well known for using ABMs on stage uh, from Ashdown, and kind of got this signature valvey sound, and that looks like it is the main uh, premise of this amp. You've got your standard EQ section in this one, but then also you've got this massive knob in the middle, which is uh, all about tube gain, and uh, yeah. I can imagine it's really, really warm sounding. I haven't heard any demos of it yet. Um, it looks like a bit of a beast. Uh, loads of headroom in there, you know, 600 watts. And yeah, I want to I wanna hear this. I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not too familiar with Guy Pratt's sound. Um, but, you know, it's something that I'd be well, well up for, for looking into. So Ashdown, you know, hit me up. Come on, let's do this. Um, also from Ashdown uh, is Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath has brought out a signature pedal. Now, I didn't see this until um, looking more in, into more info of the Interstellar. And I was like, what? That, this is recent. How have I missed this? So the, what's it called? The Pedal of Doom, which, you know, just describes instantly what it's going to be. Um, it's a dual distortion pedal. Damn, this thing looks really, really cool. Um, so, if I remember correctly, on this one, it is got a like a five-band preamp, but the two gain channels uh, have separate uh, EQ controls in there. On there, we've got a uh, bass, low mid, high mid, treble, and then bass, low mid, high mid again. So, it's a bit of a weird layout, and it takes a bit of time to like get your head around it. Um, so, you kind of like go between the two. EQs, I believe, uh, on one of the foot switches, and it's uh, in EQ number one. So on both, it's hard to explain. It's really difficult. It takes you a while when you're looking at the pedal. You're like, what? That? What does that control? Okay, weird. Um, it's a strange one, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, so on both of the channels, you've got a bass, treble, and high mid, I believe, and then the one and two channels is you get a low mid and high mid control, or a bass and low mid, I think. But then if you're on channel two, you've got two bass controls, a low mid and a high mid and a treble. And then on channel one, you've got bass, low mid, high mid, treble, high mid. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that's right. <laughs> but it, the description said it's got a five band active EQ. So, interesting. Really weird. I want it right now. <laughs> um, and the Doom, of course, is the uh, 
is the distortion. It's gonna sound huge, I know that. It says that it gives you that desired moment with much needed boost in rich harmonics. So I know there's gonna be a lot of different sounds in here um, to give you two separate drive sounds. You've got a doom volume and just the, just it's got a doom knob on it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, so yeah. I want to learn more about this pedal. It's £300 in the UK, so pretty expensive. That's up there with your, with the likes of Dark Glass, so a difficult sell, I think, if you're going up against uh, pedals like that that are well-known and well-loved. So, yeah, interesting. A dual-drive pedal, going from that to another dual drive pedal, um, one that looks a bit simpler, um, but is the John uh, Myung double drive pedal. You've got a gain knob, loud knob, tone knob, uh, and then a grit and a burn knob. Oh God, that's that just sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, twist up me burning knob. Oh Jesus, I'm so sorry that you have to listen to this. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so, blah, 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 blah. get it right, Johnny. Um, so, John is the uh, bass player for Dream Theatre. He's normally using a six-string Music Man bongo, uh, and a lot of his tone uh, involves uh, loads of distortion. So, this is gonna be good, right? Now, for those thinking, you know, why on earth do I need two different drives to just have one drive? I also thought the same. I for years thought just like yep i just got my drive sound and that's it but you don't know what you're missing out on until you have two different drive sounds i used to use my sans amp as i had the deluxe sans amp with uh, different patches on it and so i used to use one for clean one for distorted and the other for just like a subby sound and the distorted channel i loved having that and then a separate distortion channel. I could stack them if I wanted it to go like balls to the wall. Or I could just choose between the two. I have a more, one more subtle, one more like high gain or like a, a big boost. So yeah, I really like pedals that have two different drive circuits. So if you're thinking, well, I don't see the point in that. I, you know, give it a go. Give it a go. Um, this one looks really functional, really interesting. I want to know what burn does. I'm a bit concerned. John, hello. Are you okay? Um, it's got a DI out on the back, which obviously super, super handy for us bass players. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to hear what it sounds like. One thing I don't know if I like too much about this is it just seems like there's a lot of wasted space. It feels like the pedal could have been a lot made a lot smaller. Um, if you've not got much room on your board, maybe this isn't great. I don't think it's huge, but certainly with the VU meters on there, I know that's Ashdown's signature thing, but it does take up a lot of space uh, and there's just a lot of blank space on there. So yeah, give it a Google and uh, go and check it out. So moving on from Ashdown to GNL. Um, now this is a tiny bit of news really, but I am a sucker for this because GNL have brought out their LB100s in the Tribute Series, which is their Indonesian-made, like, basic P-Base copy, um, in Lake Placid Blue. Guys, hold me back. Hold my wallet for me. D don't let me go near that, because I, I need it right now. Oh, my God! Over the years, I have started to love, love Lake Placid Blue, and it's with a tortoiseshell red pit guard as well. Pair that up with the... Um, like block inlays that are on the neck on that rosewood looking fretboard 
Oh man, it's so cool. They've also done it in a few guitars as well, but we don't care about those six stringers. Last bit of news, which is a bit of gear that's coming out, is the Zoom B6. Now, if you're getting a Helix, if you're getting a Kemper, if you're getting an Axe FX, if you're getting a Neural DSP Quad Cortex, well, maybe less so the last one, but often with a lot of these modelers, Bass is an afterthought. It's mainly about guitars. I know there are lots of bass models within those. Um, and even with the Quad Cortex, you know, I know Doug from Dark Glass is heavily involved within that. And so th there is lots of fantastic bass stuff on that one, but at a price tag. Um, Zoom have been great for offering bass players uh, an alternative to all of this or a, f a bass focused uh, unit. And they've done this for years. The Zoom B3 that I've got at the minute is an old model, but sounds really, really good. And I love, love the idea of uh, bass focus modelers because when you've got all these pedals at your disposal and the guitar based effects, it's sometimes a bit of a minefield online when you're like, ah, oh, is this gonna suck out the low end this pedal? Or what have I got to do to make it sound good on bass? Do these presets sound good on bass? Oh, you know having it all bass focused you know that everything in that pedal is designed for bass and within here we have got 11 amps 12 cabs each with three mic positions and over 50 fx pedals that is that's great and it looks really nice kind of reminds me of a helix uh, like a, the floor models i like my zoom b3 i haven't done a video on it yet because i'm trying to find the time because there's a lot to delve into on that thing um but yeah the zoom b6 it's in its final form it was a pikachu before it's now charizard and at 369 pounds it seems like you're getting a pretty good deal uh so yeah i would love to check this out and i can't wait to hear it online so yeah go and check it out oh that's the news let's move on to our next segment okie dokie next up we have a question from marco who asks what are your three pedal board essentials now on this podcast every week i like to do a segment called that tone you own and that is coming up next um and it's where i ask our guest normally to bring along a tone of theirs that they have been enjoying at the minute uh, and or that, what they consider their signature sound uh, so stay tuned for lots of that but when it's just me on this podcast um i like to bring forward my most recent tone or or one that I am enjoying at the minute using my kind of go-to uh, and my tone has actually changed since quite a lot since um the, the last podcast I did where it was just me which was the first ever episode of in your pocket in your pocket in the pocket <laughs> Christ get it right jeez so basically, I'm going to combine these two sections a little bit. This is going to segue nicely into that tone because I'm going to talk about it a little bit here and then we're going to hear it in the next segment. So my top three pedal board essentials. Preamp. Um, compressor. Oh, now this is hard because, I, you know, for me, it's a tuner. 
Like I've got to have a tuner on the board. Um, something that's reliable, I know is going to pick up my bass well and that will let me do it silently. I'm not using clip-on tuners. I'm not standing on or like muting it and using a clip-on. Number one, I move around quite a lot, so that thing is going to go flying and I will forget it to take off to forget to take it off the headstock. Um but also I just like the ability to just bam, kick it on, I'm I'm going for it. There we go. I had some people tell me in the comments that, oh well, every single professional gig that I've been to, no one has ever used a, a tuner on the floor. It is always 100 percent every time a clip on tuner. And I was like, are you joking? Sorry? I've never ever 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 seen at a show somebody using a clip-on tuner um live and clip-on tuners have come a long way they're, they're fantastic do not get me wrong but that i've never seen one in person as someone using one from whether that be at my local venue or uh at going to watch a gig in a stadium you know i've never seen that um so at all levels um but uh, so I would have one on the board. So it kind of takes up one of those slots. Pedalboard Essentials. I love a preamp. Some people will think, well, you've got the EQ on the amp. That's enough. And yeah, in a lot of a lot of cases, sure, that's fine. Um, but I quite like to have a preamp before any effects or like any distortion, things like that. So I've got my... Uh, and in the kind of gigs that I'm playing and the world of gigs that I'm in, it's mostly originals or where you don't know what amp you're going to get. You don't know what the backline is going to be like. If it's a combo, you know, that hole of just plugging into the head, well, that's that's the majority of your tone ruined. It's, you know, if it's, I know a lot of tone is in your hands and in the bass you've got, you've got those two factors going for you. But then if you, you plug into some rubbish amp, I've had it before, I've gone to a festival, taken my head with me, thinking it'll be a cab on stage. And they're like, oh yeah, here's this, um, here's this really rubbish PV combo. And I'm like, oh great, here we go. Um, but the saving grace of that is that I have my Sans amp on the board. And the Sans amp is a great example of a preamp that can just make any amp sound fantastic. Uh, and you can use your blend knob on there to determine how much of the amp sound you're getting and how much of the preamp uh, sound is in there. So things like that, I think, a preamp for me is really functional and they just add a bit of spice to the tone, uh, especially in the case of like a sans amp. Now, at the minute I've got a preamp on the board, but it, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. It's not a sans amp. For the first time in years, I don't have a sans amp on my board. I had a first uh, ever pr band practice with this setup the other day and holy smokes, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so I already spoke about a tuner. That's going to take up one of the things. The last one is a compressor. Uh, as a bass player, I really like having compression. Um, it brings your lows up. No, it brings yeah, it brings sorry, it brings the volume, the low playing notes up, brings your high playing notes down. Uh, I mean that in terms of volume, so it's all nice and consistent, uh, and actually kind of sometimes works as like a sonic maximizer or an exciter, where it just makes it punchier and makes it 
uh, tidier sounding. Um, that's how I like to describe compression and why it works for me. I play really aggressively, so punching it into a compressor really tidies up my tone. Um, not from a perspective of like, oh yeah, without it, it just sounds messy, but when I'm playing live, I move around quite a lot. I'm hitting the bass really hard, um, not abusing it, you, you know what I mean, um, but playing hard with a pick, and so it, it really suits my playing style. So that's my top pick for uh, the three essentials for a pedal board. And a close, and a close fourth place within that is distortion or overdrive. I do like having that. Uh, playing with a pick, I get quite a, a, a dirty, filthy tune anyway. Uh, but I do like having the ability to have a big old boost in the signal and fill out a heavy section with some distortion. But for me, it's not, you know, it's not totally essential. I can get by with just clean for the whole set. Um, so yeah, that's probably me top three. And that brings us nicely into our next segment. <laughs> This segment is that tone you own, and I kind of described it already, so I'm not gonna bore you with that. So I'm now gonna uh, change over to my playing setup. I'm gonna stand up, play the bass. Um, so the, my microphone might sound a bit different, but that's just because I'm talking uh, whilst standing up and playing. Okay, dokalay. So here we are. I'm stood up. I've got my GNL SB2, which is the in the tribute series, the Indonesian made model, uh, going straight into my pedal board and then into the Line 6 HX Stomp. So on the pedal board, we have got uh, Korg Pitch Black Mini um, going into the Digitech Drop, which isn't in play in here, um, then into the Kali 76 Compact Bass Compressor. Um, then into the one of the new additions of my pedal board, which is the Dark Glass Vintage uh, Ultra. Then into the Boss Line Selector, which currently has the uh, Electro Harmonics Bass Soul Food and the Big Muff Pie um, in there. So we'll talk about that later on. And then output into the Line 6 HX Stomp, which is running, get this, uh, an Aguilar head uh, with Ampeg SVT 810 cab sim on there. So this is like totally different to what I had before. Um, I was using mostly Ampeg setup and then uh, on the Line 6 HX Stomp and using the Stingray, which gives us a really crisp and clear and mid scoop kind of sound. Uh, but this is kind of the opposite of that. So uh, without further ado, let's have just a quick listen, I guess. So to start things off, let's have a listen to the uh, Korg Pitch Black Tuner. Yep, that sounds great. That was a really good joke. <laughs> Totally different. <laughs> I am really into like mid-rangey tones at the minute. Um, so that was just the P bass pickup on the PJ configuration. And I think this sounds so good. I, I'm a big fan. Um, so let's break it down a little bit without 
uh, anything from the pedal board just going into the Aguilar sounds like this. I'm using a pick, by the way, with fingers. So yeah, pretty pretty standard stuff. Quite flat sounding, nothing too exciting. Um, let's add in things slowly. I'm going to start with adding in the dark glass. Now, like I said, I'm really liking mid-rangey kind of sounds at the minute. So there's loads of switches and stuff on here, but I'm just going to talk about the EQ and then the distortion. So bass is kind of at about three o'clock, quite a lot of bass. Mid's boosted slightly. Uh, just above about one o'clock same with the high mid and the treble is at about 12 so with the dot so without with the dark glass so actually not too too dissimilar to be fair um but this setup i think it really works um when i've got it live i normally scoop the mids the high mids slightly to give me that kind of sam's amp effect um but yeah with this home setup i really like this sound um suits really well in the mix now one thing that the ultra can do is you've got the distortion circuit and that is a big bulk of this sound um when i've got that on i've actually got the drive all the way down uh for my kind of standard tone but the blend is about 50 percent. the level is boosted so it is giving it a bit of a boost uh so let's hear what it sounds like so this is uh without with Um, it's definitely a pick-driven tone. So one thing that I think is missing from that at the minute is just a bit of dynamics. So let's push it with that compressor. Cali 76. Without. It just brings it to life. It makes it sound like I'm playing a lot harder than I am, and this compressor is just awesome. Without the dark, without the distortion in there, uh, without the compressor as well, let's remind ourselves. With the compressor. It's just adding a, that little something, a little bit of spice on the top. The... Let's blend in that bridge pickup. You get like, so many different sounds in here. Um, with the bridge pickup, with the distortion on, compressor on.
sounds pretty cool. But then when I just turned it down and had just the P bass pick up, it just sounds fatter, I think. <laughs> Cool. Um, so let's talk about now, if I turn the distortion off, the line selector. I've got the... Now, this is just an experiment. I had a line selector before, and I, what basically allows you to do is add effects and distortions, things like that, without losing any bottom end. I've got... Just running in the A channel, I've got this... Uh, the soul food, uh, and then the fuzz that I've got in there. But then... I'm blending the A and the B channel from the line selector. And what this allows it to do is kind of trick the pedal a little bit in running the dry signal underneath. So it's like biamping, but in a pedal. Um, so a lot of affordable Royal Blood type bands use this setup. And I used to do it like that. I had a distortion and a uh, TC electronic sub and up in there to give me an octave up. Um, and it just means that you definitely retain that low end so any venue any amp i go into i've not got that kind of issue so here it is clean tone ls2 <laughs> it's insane uh, change it over to the fuzz. Now, where I don't like this setup at the minute, um, I don't really like having the fuzz in there too much. And I think this distortion, I think I'm going to change it over to a guitar one so that I've got a bit clearer... Um, and a bit more mid-range in, in the high-gain distortion in there. And I think I'm going to add a phaser. I'm really excited. <laughs> I think it's going to sound really cool. I've been playing around with the effects on the HX Stomp. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'm excited to do that. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for videos on the pedal board and stuff. But that is currently, currently the tone that I own. So for our last segment, it is the big bass debate. So this is just a question that I thought, mm, yeah, I can I can really talk about that, or like that would be an interesting topic to focus on. Um, so this week's a big dace dace. <laughs> Sorry, getting confused. Bass debate comes from Dave on Instagram, who has asked, what is the most disappointing gear you have played? Now Disappointing gear uh, is probably more common with me because of the YouTube channel. When I review things, I like to get things on that I think will be interesting, that I think I'll have things to say about, that I want to play, um, and that I want to um, and that I want to own. <laughs> Honestly, like I'll rarely buy something I don't like. Um, or I don't like the look of, or I don't want to keep myself. Um, but, uh, you know, I will get things on that I don't like if I think, yeah, that's gonna, that people will be really interested in that. And like, that's a hot new product. That I, or if I see something that is a fantastic price and I feel like, yeah, in the used market, this is, I think I can sell that on for for the same money or, or for more money. If I see a good price, I think, 
I'm a I'm a wheeler dealer, mate. I'm a geezer down the market, flogging bases all day long, mate. Um, no, not really, but you know what I mean. So disappointing gear. So on the channel, it means that with my excuse of buying lots of gear, that I have come across some bits that I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, and I've got three items lined up here that I think mm, I wasn't that impressed with. Well, three and a half, let's say. I'll start off with the half because it's one that I think is better than I thought it was, but I'm one that I didn't own. So it is the Fender Player Precision Base. Oh my God, Johnny, what are you talking about? Uh, take this man down from the internet and ban him forever. Hear me out. So I, it was still fantastic sounding and played good. It played good, me English good. Um, but I compared it to the Squire Classic Vibe 60s Precision Base in the shop. And oh man, like it, the 60s, the Squire blew it out of the water in terms of playability. I thought the frets felt better. The neck was way comfier. Um, and yeah, it just it just felt more me when I played it. I was like, yeah, I'm enjoying this way more. And I tried them side by side in the shop and walked out of the shop with the Squire. Um, I bought it there and then um, because I wanted a P-Base. Um, so it was. I was really disappointed. I went in thinking, yeah, I think I'm going to get the Fender. I love the way it sounds online. Uh, the price is okay um, in this shop. And yeah, I thought, let's give it a go. And only when comparing those did I then think, wow, actually, how disappointing. Um, I way prefer that. But I'm, gonna count, I'm not going to include that in here, really, because... I think that that's not a fault of the player. It just wasn't my cup of tea at the time. So another one is the, staying with Fender, the Fender Downtown Express. I was excited about this pedal. I love Fender amps. The basement, oh man, I would love to own a Valve one. Um, and when I saw the price and uh, the amounts that I actually use an amp and play live, I thought, <laughs> yes, oh yeah, no, no. Um, so I decided to get a full rumble rig and oh man, I love the rumble series. So I thought, right, I like the preamp on this amp. Maybe the downtown express is going to give me that fender amp sound in a pedal that I can use on a pedal board or use in the, uh, in my home recording setup. Um, I did not like it. <laughs> Didn't like it. Uh, I thought the preamp just sounded a bit weak if I'm honest and just the EQ just really didn't sit well with me. Um, the compressor I thought was a bit artificial sounding and the overdrive was all right. You know, it was all just like, this is fine. It didn't really operate the way that I wanted a preamp to as well, because like I said before, I want to be able to turn up at a gig, plug it in on my pedal board, have this preamp pedal, give me that sound that is going to save me in a situation like that, or give me a bit of spice. I didn't feel like it was giving me that. And when plugging into a, you know, my Fender Rumble rig, I feel like I wouldn't really be gaining anything. So I was a bit disappointed uh, with the Downtown Express. Amazing looking and feeling pedal though. Oh man, the quality was was there, but sound wise, which, you know, is really where it, really where it matters. It's a no from me. So next up, taking a sideline from Fender is Ibanez. Um, Ibanez TMB100. So this is the Talman base. Uh, again, earlier I mentioned about cheap preamps and I was kind of alluding towards this Talman um, because that is one of those bases that the preamp in there is just 
I thought it was just nasty. Um, I the TMB thirty, which is the short scale version, is a uh, it, it doesn't have the active preamp, and I honestly think they should have just concentrated on making it the best bass it could with just a passive PJ configuration. I don't know why they bothered adding in this preamp. Um, it would have sounded way better. I thought about stripping it out and just running it passive, um, but I ended up just selling it because I needed something else. Uh, great feeling bass. It took me a while to get used to. The fingerboard feels really flat and it's a weird, almost like D-shaped feeling neck. It's They're very strange, but and it took me a while to get used to it. But when I did, I really, really enjoyed it. And only when like I sold it and the guy was coming to pick it up like next week, I started playing it more and more and was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to miss this, I think. But the sound of it just didn't do it for me with that preamp. I thought it was really naff, um, which is a shame because I thought, oh, Ibanez, I like the weirdness of the Talman. I used to own a Talman, uh, the TMB 600, I think it was. And that was great. Um, totally different pickups in there and, and, and set up. But, uh, you know, I, I thought, oh, I want a Talman again. And what's the, what's the affordable auction like? And I was disappointed with that. So what a shame. Um, the last one, and we're going back to Fender now. I'm really sorry, Fender. You've had like two and a half on my disappointing gear list. Oh, um, but it is the player Mustang. Man, I'm gutted about that bass because I was really excited and I had modded it. I had, you know, the idea in mind. Just cosmetic mods. I changed, I had the aged walnut, walnut? Walnut version, um, and I changed the taut pickguard for a black one, and changed the P-Base pickup in the PJ configuration to a cream pickup cover, and that is one of the best looking like mod projects I've ever done, I think, and oh man, I wish I, I wish I liked playing that bass, because oh, it looked so cool, and I just loved it, loved it, but it just didn't do it for me. The neck was really skinny, which is great for a short scale, I think. You know, I think you need that. And um, it, it suited it. Didn't like the PJ configuration on it, though. Pickups just... I don't know what it was. They just didn't... It just didn't sound good to me. Like, I... There are people out there that will play different genres and will probably absolutely love it. Um, but I, I just didn't. And the quality control was bad. I thought the fret edges were sharp. And the toggle switch on there... Why I'd, I would much rather have like the switch function uh, that you have or like a little metal switch on there. Um, I would much rather have like the switch function from like a jazz master or something like that or the more um, vintage uh, style Mustangs rather than this really protruding toggle that could easily get broken, I think. Um, so quality control on that base was, was pretty shocking um, considering that although it's the Mexican range, you know, the player series is getting up in like £600 now. And for that amount of money, it just shows how much you're paying for the name on the headstock now, which is a bit of a shame. I really think Fender need to address all of those things. Um, and I'm, I wasn't the only one. People online were agreeing and saying that the quality control is not so good. Um, but then again, there have been a lot of people online saying that the Squire classic vibe stuff has been no good and the the mustang in that in particular is pretty bad uh, for quality control so maybe i've just been unlucky with the fender lucky with the squires you know maybe that was just me but it was definitely up there uh with the most disappointing gear i've played and i'm very sad that it 
didn't tickle my pickle because it's a really cool bass. But anyway, there we go. So that brings us to the pretty swift conclusion to um, this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to uh, leave a rating where you can. Um, or a review, leave us a comment on YouTube, DM me on Instagram, or leave a comment on the post of this uh, of this podcast, and let me know uh, what you thought, because I'd love to hear, and I'd love to get you guys involved, so follow me on all my other platforms, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, like the video, and all of that jazz. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. I'll see you next time. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>